This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I had in my heart to, to go back to some of the basic things. I realized that, um, you know, a lot of times we kind of develop our own language, our own way of speaking about things. And, and, and if, you, if you've been around, if you, if you have some experience in the Word, then, then some of the terms that we use may seem obvious to you. You may know what those things are. But other people coming in from the outside, we use things like stand on the Word, and, and that's, a, that's a foreign phrase to some folks. They don't know what that means. And so I want to, uh, uh, I want to take, uh, I don't think I can get it all done tonight, so maybe tonight and for the next couple of weeks, I want to take uh, just the basics, just the very most basic thing regarding faith and talk about how to stand in faith. Now, in, if he, in um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's not writing to the church. He's writing to Timothy, who is called to the ministry. Paul knows that Timothy is saved. He knows that heaven is his eternal home when this life is over. He knows that he's spirit-filled. He knows that Timothy has been taught the things that Paul had revealed to him by the Lord himself. And notice what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. He says, fight the good fight of faith. He's telling Timothy as a minister he's going to have to fight a fight. Now, to be honest with you, this is the only fight that the Bible says the Christian has is the fight of faith. It doesn't say you Baptists fight the Methodists. It doesn't say you denominational folks, you know, fight the Pentecostals. It says fight the good fight of faith. Now, why would he want to do that? And, and what does Paul mean by that when he says fight the good fight of faith? He and Timothy understand what he's talking about, but us from the outside, looking in from the outside, what are we supposed to glean from this? What are we supposed to understand? Notice what he said the, fight of good, the fighting the good fight of faith will produce. He said lay hold on eternal life. He can't be talking about salvation. He cannot be saying, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith so you get saved. Because God wouldn't put somebody that's unsaved in the ministry. He can't be talking about getting saved. So when he uses the phrase eternal life, lay hold of eternal life, what is he talking about? He's talking about lay hold on all the blessings that salvation brings. See, so many times people in the church world think that salvation is all about getting to heaven. Well, thank God we're, getting, we're going to get to heaven someday. Thank God when this life is over, heaven is our eternal home. But folks, salvation does not begin when you get to heaven. Salvation includes a lot of things that the Bible tells us benefit us here on the earth. Salvation is the fulfillment of the promises that God made to Abraham. And the promises God made to Abraham were first and foremost physical and natural promises, not spiritual ones. But so much of the church world just takes the sin part. And they say, well, Jesus paid the price for sins and therefore when I die, I'm going to heaven. Well, that's great. But you ought to have a little heaven in you now. Shouldn't you? I mean, if Jesus really paid the price the Bible says he did, shouldn't we have a little bit of heaven now? That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying the way you take hold of those blessings, the blessing of prosperity, the blessing of of healing, he says the way you take hold of those things or lay hold of those things is by fighting the good fight of faith. Now, folks, I don't know of any fight that's considered good unless you win. I played sports growing up and, and played college ball and, and, uh, and some things like that. And, and man, we, we won a lot of games and those were great games. And then we lost a lot of games too. And I can't remember one of those that was any good.
There were games that we lost. Some of them we lost by a lot. Some of them we just barely lost by just one or two points. And in some of those games, I had a great game. And personally, I had a lot of points or had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of personal success, individual success. But I can't think of one of those games we lost that I consider to be a good one. Not one. I wonder if God has that much sense when it comes to contests. Or maybe God's idea is, well, you know, do battle with the enemy. And if you win some, you lose some. Eh, it's just how you play the game. Folks, that's not what Jesus died for. Jesus died to make you victorious, not win some and lose some. And that's exactly what Paul's trying to get across to Timothy. He says, you fight the good fight of faith and you will lay hold on eternal life. You'll walk in victory. You'll gain the victory, the victory over the things of the world, the things that the enemy's trying to keep you out of. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. I want you to understand something, folks. You're not only called to go to heaven. You're not only called to be righteous, you're called to prosper and you are called to health. And if you've got some kind of religious thinking, and, and, and please don't think I'm throwing rocks at anybody. I had this kind of religious thinking for a long time. But if you've got some kind of religious thinking that, that leans toward, well, forgiveness of sins is more important than the other things. Tell that to Jesus who shed his blood for all of it, one and the same. I want to stand there when you get to heaven and you say, well, I didn't take hold of that prosperity, that healing stuff, because I thought forgiveness of sins was more important. Jesus is going to show you from the Bible. I shed the same blood for all three. I didn't shed a different blood or a more precious blood for sins than what I shed for the chastisement for your peace or taking your infirmities and bearing your sicknesses. It's all the same blood. How can you say that the blood that Jesus shed, how could anybody say and so much of the church world does. They don't come right out and say it this way, but that's what they're saying. It is exactly what they're communicating. How could anybody in the church world say that the blood that Jesus shed for sickness and for prosperity, the chastisement of your peace, is less important than what he shed for sin? Because it was torture for him to shed any blood. It was with great pain and agony that he shed any of his blood. It was through beatings that he took upon his back. It was through the, thorn, the thorns that they put upon his head. It was through the spear that they thrust in his side. It was through the, the nails that they put in his hands. Which part of the blood that spilled on any of those things was less important? Now, this is where you get religious people to check out on you. Because they don't want to consider that. They want to stick with their old ideas. Oh, it's all about forgiveness of sins. If it's all about forgiveness of sins, then what is Paul telling Timothy to take hold of? His sins are already forgiven. He's already been made righteous. No, he says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, the blessings of God here and now. God will take care of heaven. You take care of receiving the blessings of God here. Why? Because you're called unto them. And has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now you know what he's saying? He's saying, live up to your own preaching. He said, you've made the claim of these things. You've made the profession, the confession of these things, these blessings of God. Now live up to them by taking hold of them in your life through fighting the good fight of faith. But if we stop right there, then, then what do we know to do? Not much. We know that Paul told us to fight the good fight. If it belongs to Timothy, it belongs to you too. God's no respecter of persons. God doesn't have some blessing for Timothy that he doesn't have for you. 
Now, he may have a different plan for your life than he had for Timothy, and there may be different things associated with that. But when Paul talks about laying hold of the laying hold of eternal life, when he's inspired by the Holy Ghost to say lay hold of eternal life, he's talking about the blessings that Jesus purchased for us through the sacrifice that he made. But now he said to fight the good fight of faith, how do we do it? This is the place right here, in, in my opinion, you judge it for yourself, but in my opinion, this is the place where most of the church world stops. They know this verse is there, so they say, yeah, we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith, but they don't know what the fight is. And they don't know what faith is, and so they just wallow around saying a bunch of stuff that they never live up to. I've had a lot of people come up to me even after healing school, after services like this one we're having tonight. And they'll come up and they'll say, Pastor Mike, I believe. I've got faith. I just don't know if it's God's will for me to be well. And it's everything I can do to say, those things don't mix. You just contradicted yourself. You said you have faith, but you don't know. You can't have faith if you don't know. But see, they've got this pie-in-the-sky idea about what faith is. Well, faith just means I love God. Well, that won't get you anywhere. I can show you people that die broke and sick that love God. I can show you people in different religions that go to hell and love God. But people fail to understand what the Bible says. So now we know that we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith. Now we know that that causes us to take hold of the blessings of God and everything that Jesus purchased for us. But how do you do it? Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 6. I know this is elementary for some of you. But you know, Paul said that he did not, he was not careful to put you in remembrance of things that you've heard before. In other words, by the Holy Ghost, he said, the Holy Ghost is saying through Paul, remind them again. Because I've got to tell you something, folks. If you're looking to hear something new, it's not the new things that are going to put you over. It's doing the old things. And I'm all about walking in victory. I'm all about the purpose for our church is to build strong, spirit-filled lives. That means develop people so that they can walk in victory. I couldn't care less about coming up with some new thing. I couldn't care less about people thinking, oh, Pastor Mike's got some new doctrine, some new teaching. I don't want some new doctrine. I want to keep going over the old doctrine because it works. And so many Christians are pulled away by what they think something new. Oh, God's given them a new revelation. Folks, there is no new revelation. Paul said so. By the Holy Ghost. There is no new revelation. There's greater understanding of the revelation we have. And that comes by teaching. That comes by going over it again and again and again. So I'm going to teach on faith for the next several weeks. You know, somebody said, uh, I, I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know if, how you would judge this. But somebody came out with a book some a few years ago. And they were talking about, uh, they, they had done some research apparently. And they said that it takes 10,000 hours at any given profession or any given, uh, well, area, I guess, of life for you to become a master or an expert about anything. Now think about what that, is, that means. If that's true, and I don't know if it is or not, he, he talked about the time that professional athletes put into their sports and, and uh, Bill Gates and what he did to, to become successful and use a lot of other people. And he, uh, he concluded, and I don't know how you check this out, uh, maybe less for some, more for others, I don't know. But he concluded that it takes 10,000 hours of focused and purposeful intent or study in any given area to become a master or an expert in anything. That's 20 hours a week for 10 years. 
Well, I want to become a master where the word is concerned. I want to become an expert in the word. Don't you? Well, if he's right, then that means it's going to take 20 hours a week. For 10 years for you to become an expert in the word. I started counting up my hours the other day. I got about 100,000 hours. And I just feel like I'm getting started. I don't feel like I know anything. I just figured out. I, I feel like I'm just getting to the place where I'm figuring out what to learn. Because you can't exhaust the word. But I tell you this. Now, some people will hear that and say, oh, 10 years. I don't have 10 years for any. I don't have 10 years to put into that. How many of you plan to be alive in 10 years? Well, you're going to spend that time doing something, aren't you? Why not spend it to become an expert in the Word? Because the Word will make you a success in life. The Word will make you victorious. So Paul said, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Because you're called to it. And you've made the profession of it before others. Now notice in Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start reading in verse 10. Paul says, by the Holy Ghost, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Well, that's what we want, isn't it? We want to be strong. Notice it doesn't say a word about being strong in yourself. It says, be strong in the Lord. Paul said about his own situation, he said, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. In other words, when I feel weak, when I recognize my inability, that's when I know I can be strong in the Lord. So it has nothing to do with you feeling strong then, does it? No, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. doesn't say a word, not one word, not one word does it say about you being strong in yourself. Folks, that's one of the keys to becoming a master of the truth of the word. You come to realize it's not about how I feel. That's why my feelings are irrelevant. It's about what God said. It's about being strong in him. It's about relying on his power, not my own. So he said, finally, brethren, that means he's concluding his thoughts. He saved the best for last. He saved one of the most important points till the last part of his letter. He said, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. There's that word that we want to use. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not. Well, now, wait a minute. Paul said we have fight the good fight of faith. Now Paul is going to tell us, tell the Ephesian church something else about fighting. First of all, he tells them what they're not supposed to fight. He said, for we wrestle not or we fight not against flesh and blood. That's where so many Christians miss it. They're fighting people. They get caught up in some natural fight. They get caught up in this person's against me or this group's against me or everybody's against me or whatever it is, and they miss the boat completely. That will keep you from laying hold of the blessings of God. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. It is much more of a school than any other healing service I'd been to. Pastor Mike goes through the specific scriptures in the Bible that point to the healing power of God. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, folks, you need to realize the devil would love nothing more than you spend the rest of your life fighting against people. And sometimes it takes everything you can, everything you've got, not to fight against people. I mean, there are things that people say against us. I just want, just dearly want the opportunity to speak out and say something about it. But it doesn't do any good. It'd just be a distraction. It'd take me away from my hours in the Word. 
It'd take me away from doing what the Bible says to do instead. So you need to realize the devil's going to throw roadblocks in front of you. He's going to try to get you fighting irrelevant fights. He's going to try to get you fighting distractions. You know, that's one of the tactics in war. Create a distraction over here so you can attack from another side. That's exactly the way the enemy works. He tries to get you taking offense at something that somebody said or something somebody did to you and get you fighting against them so that you cannot fight the good fight of faith. Because you can't fight the fight of faith while you're fighting against people. Because the fight of faith is not against anybody else. Paul tells us by the Holy Ghost that your fight's not with flesh and blood. That's why you need to walk in love for your faith to be operational and active and effective. So Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Back to Ephesians chapter 6. 4, verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. You ever get in a flesh and blood fight? You ever get into a situation where you're trying to pray or trying to work towards somebody else's demise or somebody else's defeat? You've missed the boat. You're fighting the wrong battle. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, you don't understand. There's this one person that's standing in my way of victory. There's this one person that's keeping the blessing of God from being reality in my life. No, it's not. There's one devil trying to stop you and hinder you. And even if he is using somebody, the somebody is not your problem. Because if you got rid of the somebody that's in your way, the same devil would just stir up trouble in somebody else. That's what Paul's trying to tell us. For we wrestle not. You don't fight against flesh and blood. Well, if we don't fight against flesh and blood, who do we fight against? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. In other words, he says the devil is your fight, is your enemy. If you're going to fight the fight of faith, it's going to be a fight against the devil. Not a fight against people, even if other people are involved. Your problem is never people. That's why Jesus spent so much time talking about praying for your enemies. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Lord, send your blessing upon them. Open their eyes to the truth of your goodness. Not open their eyes to the truth of what they're doing against me. I'm not the issue. Now, when you do that, that gives you confidence to stand on the word of God to overcome however it comes about. But naturally, we want to pray, Lord, this person's in my way. Kill them right now. Kill them quick. I mean, before Friday. I'm tired of this. That's the way we feel, isn't it? We'll pray for them. We want to pray for them that they get hit by a bus. That's not the love of God, folks. And faith works by love. That means faith won't work without it. And that's part of the fighting, the good fight of faith. Because first and foremost, you have to recognize the devil's your problem. The devil's the one trying to hinder you from receiving the blessings of God. It's not flesh and blood that's the problem. It's not your doctor. It's not your boss. It's not your neighbor. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. Well, it might be your wife. But normally, no, it's not anybody. It's not any flesh and blood human being. They're never going to be your problem. The devil may be stirring them up and influencing them against you, but they're really not the problem. Well, who is our problem? Evil spirits. Unseen forces. Things that are working that you can't see at work. But see, as human beings, we like to attack what we can see, don't we? 
We want to have an enemy we can put our finger on so we can attack there, so we can go against them there. That never works. Never works. Never works. So we wrestle against flesh. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Wherefore, because this is true, in other words, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Another translation, I like William's translation, it says that you may be able to stand strong when evil attacks you. That's the evil day that it's talking about. That you may be able to stand strong when evil attacks you. Folks, that's the key, is being ready and understand how the devil works against us. So that you can be ready, so that you can stand strong even when he shows his head, rears his head up and shows himself. And what are we supposed to do to prepare for that? Take unto us the whole armor of God. That we may be able to withstand or to stand, in other words, in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And having done, I know there's a, a, a verse break there. But Paul wrote and didn't write in chapter and verse, he wrote a letter. So he's saying just the way that I read it. And having done all to stand, stand. And having done all to stand, stand. Now what does that tell us? Tell us. That tells us that when it comes to standing... In faith, when it comes to standing on the promises of God, there are two distinct parts or divisions. One is preparation, and the other is the act of standing itself. Having done all to stand. That means preparation. Having done all to stand, then stand, therefore. That means you're not going to be able to stand effectively. You're not going to win the battle unless you've done the preparation up front. Now, what does he say? Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, what are we supposed to do? Let's talk about the backside first, or at least run over what Paul said about this, and then we'll back up and cover it. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, what is the truth? The truth is the word. So he's saying, prepare yourself, gird your loins. He's going to use the example of the the Roman soldier's armor and pieces of the armor, just like we need to prepare ourselves for our spiritual battle. Now, at this point in time, Paul's in jail, and he's probably, he's probably chained to a Roman soldier. So he's got access to looking at everything this guy's wearing. So he said, well, the stuff he's got girdled about himself, that's like having the Word of God, being girdled about with the Word. That's the foundation, the truth of the Word of God. Having your loins girdled about with truth. Then he looks over at the guy and sees the guy's wearing the breastplate and says, and having your breastplate of righteousness. That's what guards your heart, is the knowledge that you're in right standing with God. Tell you this right now, you're never going to have a victory in faith unless you know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the reason I say that is because the number one way that the devil will try to attack you when you're trying to gain a faith victory is he'll tell you you're unworthy. There's only one way to combat the idea of unworthiness, and that is to know that you are have been made righteous. So Paul starts with the most important parts. Having your loins go about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Then he says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This word peace means well-being. That means to know that you're blessed everywhere you go. That means to be blessed everywhere you put the sole of your foot. Now, isn't that what God told Joshua and the children of Israel? He said, every place the sole of your foot shall, shall tread shall be yours. In other words, you have to take possession of it by taking action. Steps to walk into the blessings of God. Paul's saying the same thing. 
Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That word peace is the same word as the Greek word, the Greek equivalent to the Old Testament word shalom. It means well-being in every area. Well-being in every area. Then he says, above all. That doesn't mean this is most important. It means overall. He's again looking at the Roman soldier, and he sees that that Roman soldier's got a shield. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, who's the wicked he's talking about? The principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. They'll attack you, but the shield of faith will stop their attack. It'll quench their fiery darts. It's like just as the Roman soldiers used to shoot flaming arrows and try to set their enemies on fire. The devil does the same thing to you. But you can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, where do those fiery darts come? More, most often, they come in your mind. Most often, that shield of faith is the answer to what the devil is claiming. Then he goes further and says, and take the helmet of salvation. Here's the renewing of the mind of the word. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Now he's going to talk about the only offensive weapon you've got. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, what's all this armor for? So you can pray effectively. Verse 18, praying. Praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, what is Paul telling us? Paul is telling us that every one of these pieces of the armor come down to and are established on and, are, and, and we are equipped with through the Word of God. So he's saying that the only way you can stand is to be fully equipped with the Word of God. God has many wonderful things planned for His children, but the key is to enter into the family of God. There's only one way you can do that, and that's through Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that that's a two-step process. Step one is to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that God raised him from the dead. The second step is simply to confess him as your Lord and Savior. So a prayer of salvation would sound something like this. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to the earth, that he died for my sins and you raised him from the dead. Therefore... I confess Him as my Lord and Savior. I thank You for accepting me into Your family. I thank You for saving me. In Jesus' name. That's all there is to it, friend. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I encourage you to pray that prayer today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing School is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. She said, uh, I saw the advertisement for Healing School, so we came that night, and she said, I'm, I'd been diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis, MS. And she said, uh, uh, I came up to you after the service, and, and I was just sure that you were going to lay hands on me and pray for me when I told you what the situation was, and, and you didn't do it. Well, that sounds like me. She said, you sent me back to the bookstore to get some materials on healing. That sounds like me too. And she said, I was really disappointed. 
I thought, oh my goodness, my chance to be healed is gone. She said, but I, I did what you said. I went back and I got the book that you told me to. And you had also referred me to the website and told me about some of the messages and different things that I could download and listen to and, and so forth. And she said, the Word of God has changed my life. She said, now I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I understand what belongs to me. She said, I'm, I believe I received my healing. I'm standing in faith for my healing. And she said, and even though I don't go by what it looks like, my symptoms are starting to diminish. Well, why? Because you put the word first. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's word.